Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Jack Miller on the line. Jack, how are you? I'm very well, Michael. Great to be here. Great to have you here. You've got a great backstory and do some amazing work. So why don't you share with the audience a little bit about you and we'll dive into the conversation. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I got started uh, a long time ago in comedy over in the UK as a performer, writer, and director. And then through producing comedy, comedy stuff, fell into workshops, improvisation stuff, uh, and, and then stand-up, running stand-up sessions. And that led to businesses uh, getting in touch about 25, first started about 25 years ago saying, can you, can you help us be more engaging or whatever it was at the time and use some of that improvisation or some of that stand-up stuff so we can be more engaging with our audience. So that's, that's how I got started. It's a great backstory, and I, I find that a lot with people that are in the public speaking business that they had some type of writing or comedy background or something along those lines, which really goes well with it because an engaging talk, typically, from my point mm-hmm. of view, has some humor in it, some real-life experiences. It, it, it's storytelling. It brings the audience, just like a great movie or a great book mm-hmm. or a great show, it brings the audience in where they are in the scene. They feel like that they are there. And if you yeah, can yeah. get that to them, then then they are playing a part in the story as well. Even though they may not be in the story at all, they feel mm-hmm. like they are. And when, when they do that, that which makes for a much livelier conversation, a presentation, you name it. Uh, absolutely. And I think the, the danger of not, you, you know, building on what you're saying there, Michael, the danger of not telling a story or not being clear in your story is that your audience, if you don't, if you don't give them a story, they'll invent one of their own. And we see that happening all the time where if there's, if there's minimal communication or it's incredibly dry, then the audience go, well, I'll fill in the gaps myself and create my own story, which is often far removed from what the speaker would like <laughs> would like them to take on board. Yeah, and I've been in many, many situations where I've done that myself, where it's like the, the talk, I'm like, I, you, literally, you look at the agenda, it's like, what's this talk supposed to be about? It's like, mm. why, why are they way over there? And then there are some that have been absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. And they tell all the stories, and... You go, okay, this was great. Though I really had a good time with them. But then sometimes those lack an action item or something that mm-hmm. I can take back. Yes, I, I laughed. I had a great time. Or I really enjoyed that story and enjoyed that experience that they walked through. But it's like, okay, what's, what's the action item for me to take away? Because time and time again, we've all been yep. guilty of this. We go to a conference. We hear some great talks. We take a ton of notes. Those notes go back to the office. They get filed on a bookshelf. And then two or three years later, when you're running out of space in your bookshelf, you start pulling those old notes out and you, oh, that was a good conference. And you haven't done anything with them. And that's mm-hmm. from a speaking standpoint, that's our hope is that, that the audience will take something because we could give them three or four pointers, take one of them 
and do something with it. And yeah, yeah. make your life better, grow your business, whatever that talk is on. That's that's our goal as speakers is we want you to take some of the things that we've shared from our experience, from our basically our knowledge base that we have. And if there's something that fits for you to run with it and, and help your life a little bit better, that benefits society as a whole. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but it, you've, as you've intimated you, you've got to um, be clear on that value. And that's sometimes that's from my experience working with a lot of speakers and even very experienced speakers is getting that, answering that so what question with a, a really nuggety something that the audience go, oh, wow, tell me more. Uh, you know, I was thinking of, um, uh, you know, the um, TV producer, Shonda Rhimes, who's produced about half of Netflix stuff. And her TED Talk is fantastic. And she's got a great 15 words early on in that, where she says, um, uh, and I'm going to tell you why playing, saying yes to playing with my daughter likely saved my career. And at that moment, it's two minutes into the talk, uh, pretty much everyone is going, whoa, you are the most successful producer in Hollywood. And ye saying yes to playing with your daughter changed your life. What comes next? Tell me what comes next. And, uh, and that's easier said than done, you know? I mean, she's a top writer, etc. But uh, yeah, as you say, it's that, you know, value, is key. And I think in virtual, the land of virtual, which we're in at the moment, it's landing that, that key message, that key so what is even more important than in face-to-face. -face. Yeah, and that's always a good thing for speakers or people that are producing presentations or you know, maybe you're, you're submitting a proposal for mm -hmm. a project. You know, write, keep a little post-it note next to where you do this, even if it's on your screen, if you hand write them out at first. So what? And, and, and if you can answer that question to the best of your ability, yeah, yeah, that's going to help because in all likelihood, that's what's on the mind of that person that's reading that proposal or that abstract or whatever. So what? You know, why is this important to me? This is important to you because 85% of HR professionals, for example, are considering walking away from their roles. Well, we need somebody in human resources to handle all the things that HR does. And if you have eight and a half out of 10 people getting ready to walk out the door, mm. that's problematic. Okay, so what? That and then you say this is why it's pro, you know really problematic. It could be a variety of different things, you know, you know, disrupted hiring. You name it. There's a laundry list of things to come in. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so you're going. No, that's fine. Um, so your book, you've got a, a book out, and let's dive into that because I know the work that you've done is you know really shines through in this book. Yeah, virtual presentation mastery. Uh, well, it. It came about, of course, uh, through, oh, it was fast-tracked when COVID arrived in uh, whenever it was, two and a half years ago. Sometimes it feels like even longer ago than that. Other times you go, oh, it was just, just around the other day. But when it arrived and uh, I, I was in the, I suppose, although like a lot of people, 80% of my business disappeared overnight, I was in the fortunate position of having done a lot of virtual, virtual work. And 
And a client of mine said, look, uh, we want you to include a, a handbook to go with your the course that you're doing with us. And so I put together something and they said initially, oh, Jack, it just needs to be 5,000 words. That's it. 5,000 words is plenty. And I wrote it as fast as I could. I had two weeks to do it. Wrote it out and went, well, there you go. And it was 20,000 words. And when I finished it, I thought, hang on, hang on, with a bit more thought, actually, this is a, a and time, etc., and really, and also there's so many new things coming into play as the world grabbed onto Teams and Zoom, etc., which I was picking up on, that I thought, right, that actually, if I double the length of this and we've got we've got a real serious book here that can hopefully make a difference so that's where virtual mastery came from and you know we're talking about the so what i think one of the biggest so what's is that in face to face i mean every and everyone knows this but it's dealing with the problem that's the, that's the issue that in face to face you have a, you have the captive audience so it's quite rare in a face-to-face -face presentation or face-to-face -face meeting that everyone flips open their phones or takes out all their devices and sits there doing their emails while you chat on. Yeah, that's it. that is quite rare because you are captive. You are in the room and you're there for this person talking uh, or presenting. However, in, in virtual, you are just an interruption to their day. So when it doesn't matter, you, you're leader of the business, fantastic, all the rest of it, but you are still an interruption. Before you spoke, they were doing something else. And even as you start, they're still doing something else because they're finishing up, finishing it off. Even if it's, they're not writing on their emails, they're mentally finishing it off. Uh, and then you get started. You say some stuff, they might have heard it, they might not. And they're then playing catch up, which is really hard. So they might go, oh, it's too hard now. And then I've got loads of emails to finish. You know, I'm, 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 this is the obvious, but it is so, it is the problem we have. And then at the end, before you finished, they're already going mentally because they're going, oh, okay, right. Well, it's, oh, it looks like it's, it's coming to the towards the end. Yeah. I pretty much got what they're going to say. I'm off mentally and so that's why i sometimes talk to clients about the need what we need to do is rather than look to engage and of course we want to engage our audience we need to look to captivate and if you can imagine if people listening to this can imagine okay i've got my presentation coming up tomorrow or whatever and i'm i'm going to try and engage my audience i want to engage them i want to take them on a good journey and give them something worthwhile that's okay. But now can you imagine the same presentation and going, okay, what I'm going to try and do here is I'm going to try and captivate them. Captivate. And that is, that is some goal. But hopefully, yeah, it's a little bit scary, but hopefully you're going to start feeling excited because captivate is something else. Now, I appreciate that. Um, and please interrupt me, Michael. Sometimes I go off on one. Um, but captivate, captivate is, um, yes, it's it's a it's a bigger it's a bigger goal, um, but if you can achieve it, 
you're going to hold orders. But the only issue sometimes is that you're working with a business or you're working with clients and customers who, who honestly would rather only half attend. And that's the only caveat to that. But then who wants to be working or having meetings with people who are sort of half there? Either you're going to be there or not be there. And I've been part of teams like that where they're, you know, basically just half checked in. Yeah, they're they're there because they were told to be there. They're on their phones. They're taking notes. You know, they're looking at the ceiling. They're they're staring at the mission, vision, mm-hmm. values poster on the wall in the boardroom, and yeah, you know, that, yeah. that the organization does not do or live by. And it's in in that energy as a presenter, you have to be really careful not to absorb that because all of a sudden that just makes your presentation even worse and it that mm-hmm. just has a really horrible ripple effect and going back to you know this remote work and you know the, the engagement and, and and all of that you know one of the things that i'm sure that you've seen and you picked up on a little bit is you know the well-being of people because of Absolutely. all of these training videos and virtual work and and everything and just and, and again, I apologize, I'll, I'll dig it up and I'll put it in the show notes, but there was an article that we had discussed uh, in the pre-show about how since the pandemic, the average number of meetings that organizations are having has increased. And we were having way too many meetings, in my mm-hmm. opinion, before that. And now that we've got more, I'm thinking there's a reason why we can't get any work done. It's because we're too busy meeting about work instead of actually doing it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on on the well-being and you know the fatigue that we hear from so many online meetings and engagement and all of that that is mm-hmm. taking away from from the greater good. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I think it really is. It's a genuine. It's a genuine problem uh, out there, and and it's. I think for most organisations, it's certainly not getting any better. Uh, Zoom fatigue is 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 real. Um, you know, I, I know that two years ago, I'm part of a, a couple of speaker organisations, and speakers were going, oh, "I'm furious. People turn off their cameras, and it's outrageous." And and you know, I get that because you know we've all presented to a a sea of no faces at all and how hard that is when you can't see anything to react of. Um, but it's, you know, the science is out there that there's that when the, when people are, you know, there, there are good ways of behaving basically online and really ways that are not helpful at all. And, and, you know, you're an expert in these areas, areas, Michael, of, you know, burnout, etc. but, um, I, I think that the, I'm come across so many businesses where people are literally having teams or zoom meetings back to back. They have their, I've got, I've got, I'm doing this myself at the moment, but really to try and avoid it. They've got self view on so they can see themselves and that's quite stressful. You, you've got, um, you know, you could say, Oh, those eyebrows. Oh dear. Oh, that's not that's not good, is it? And you know, because everything is highlighted, and you know, if you walked around in everyday life with a mirror in front of you, it would um, do some screwy things to your head. Uh, and so they've got that, all of that's going on, and the, you're being looked at. So you're being stared at, or that feeling of being stared at on top of that. So all of that's going on. So you feel a bit of a target. 
etc etc and you're sat in the chair and you've been doing it for day after day after day and a lot of people overcompensate for the fact they can't read body language so for instance women uh, have been proven to be much better than men at reading body language however there's a downside to that on zoom and teams in that you are more likely to overcompensate in trying to read stuff that really isn't there and that is hard work so um there's a lot that we can do to alleviate that and i think people can do to alleviate that and one of them obviously is better presentations so somebody said the, said to me the other day he said jack zoom is not it's not it's not a real thing it's just bad presenting that's it people are sick of bad presenting that's why they got zoom fatigue it's not real and i said it is real you know there's masses of data out there to show it bad presentations is part of the problem but just as big or even bigger is is our behaviors at work and culture that means that people are uh, exhausted and it also means that people will only attend sort of for a, a quarter of their brain into attending because it's just too much but as i say there are lots of things you can do that can make a big difference to that zoom fatigue also reminds me of what I see a lot of younger generations in the constant selfies that they take. I mean, they're constantly taking pictures of themselves. And unfortunately, we are our own worst judge. We, we comment, oh, my hair doesn't look good. Now, that's something you and I don't comment on. Not anymore, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. May, may, may have back in the day, but not so yeah, much. No, anymore. not even back in the day. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Mine, you know, mine was there and uh, started, you know, started fading back here and started doing this. And I said, you know what? Let's go to the barber. And I I'm surprised they didn't have me sign a waiver. I said, please shave it off. Are you sure they, the barber wouldn't do it right away? It's like, please. I said, and there's witnesses. I told them, shave it all off, right? Right. And he did. And it's like, the, the money I save on shampoo now is amazing. I'm yeah, like, same here. And on, and on haircuts, hairdressers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had price, the other day I happened to walk by a barbershop. I looked at the prices. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, are you using like lasers now? Why is that so much? But I get it, cost of living and everything like that. But going back to what I was talking about with the selfie thing, because we're just inundating ourselves with our appearance and mm. we're, we're doing things that aren't real we're real you know we're wake up and okay you know here's a mess or you, you, you're yeah. wearing baggy clothes because you're going just outside to walk the dog kind of thing and everybody's like gotta put your best foot it's like that, the pressure of life alone is enough all of a sudden you got to do that and of course as you said with the zoom fatigue and the presentations everybody's like you know we got i gotta look my best and they're trying to fake it's like just be present go to the mm. meeting because if you were in the office and you went to this meeting okay what would you be wearing okay business casual probably something like that all right then throw that on go into the meeting sit down in the chair you're going to be sitting down probably in a chair anyway just just be present you know look at the presentation you know you know glance at the camera occasionally and and away you go and and don't necessarily look around at all the other people that are on there unless you want to although we look around mm. but, I think it's one of those things because our brain normally will, if we're in a meeting, you know, we're glancing around, looking at everybody in the room or specifically someone who's talking. Uh, but, you know, at times we glance around and we're like, okay, what's, 
what's Phil doing? Okay, Sally looks like she's about ready to pass out. Uh, this is not entertaining. Or, or there, yeah. oh yeah, there, there, yeah. There's Dana. We know she always shows up at these meetings. She's as eager as they come. So she she really is eating this up or is doing a really good job faking it. But she seems to be really engaged with this. So it, you just pick up those little nuances. But in a Zoom call, can be a little bit different depending again on how far the camera is from somebody. Some people mm-hmm. are like literally right up close to it, and others some using a standing desk. So you know, I'm a little bit, you know, a little different. Got, I'm able to move around a bit. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But ultimately, it boils down to people just need to be present and be themselves. That's who we hired. You know, that's who we want in the audience. Be yourself, and you don't have to present unless, unless you're an actor then okay yeah you pretend to be somebody else but in real life be you and i think yeah that's it if we do that it'll make life so much easier and reduce a lot of the stress that we put on ourselves i mean life Mm. is stressful as it is is as it is but unfortunately too many of us put additional pressure on ourselves to look the best and be the best and there's nothing wrong with challenging yourself to grow and all of that but when you're putting on that extra pressure just to present on how you look and it just just adds so much extra weight to life as it is. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And I, I so often when I'm working with people, they'll they'll say to me, "Cure me of all the things that are wrong with me." So their first, you know, the first request is, "I know there's lots of things I do wrong. So stop those things that I do wrong, and then I'll be all right." And you, you, I think a really good place to say start. Let's start with all the things you do right, all the things you you do well, because there'll be loads of stuff. You know, you were talking earlier about we've got this mix of you've got some people who are great at storytelling, but they don't necessarily land the message, and then you'll have other people who are much less good at the storytelling and performing bit, but they actually can land the nuggets. They just need to add a little bit of story. But if you start with what you're good at. And then go, okay, what can I add to this? There's a, there's a, a footballer or soccer player over here who's now famous in the States, I think, or so he says. Oh, yeah, uh, David Beckham. Yeah, and David Beckham was, uh, he was one of the slowest players in the Premier League. He was one of the slowest. He was one of the worst tacklers, and he couldn't head the ball. But he was amazing at crossing. He was had an engine inside him, which meant he could run and run forever. And he had a passion to do well that was phenomenal. And that's, you know, and he ended up being the most capped England outfield player ever. Because he, yes, he obviously worked on his weaknesses, but most of all, he worked on his, worked on his strengths, play to his strengths. So be, yeah, absolutely. Many times I've said to somebody, "Be you, but just do it more." Yeah, that's a great analogy. And you know, Beckham obviously is internationally known, you know, for uh, just who he is. Not not so much for who he married, but maybe a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but but you know, he wasn't first. He wasn't first. Yes, but you know, again, you know, he's you know, renowned, and you know, is he you know in the scorebooks, you know, as high as you know. Ronaldo or Messi, no, um, or Pele or anybody else uh, that's played, but people know him because he shined, like you said, at what you're good at. Find out what you're good at and just invest like crazy into that. Invest mm-hmm. in yourself, 
become better at what you do, just continue to reinforce that. You, you look at professional sports, doesn't matter what sport it is, the ones that are what society calls some of the greatest that have ever played. You look at what they do and they all have this common element that they got really, really good at their craft and what they did. And they just kept getting better and better until their body said, okay, this is all I can give. And then of course they, they retire and do whatever they do. But uh, again, I, you're, if you focus so much and you're looking at the negative, that, that's just putting negativity in your brain. You're like, oh, I'm bad at this. I'm bad. It's like, yeah, well, we're not going to be good at everything. What are you good at? And I love that approach that you take. It's like, let's really improve that. Let's look for some things to make you even better at what you do. Like you said, be you, but better. I love that. I love that. So great. So Jack, love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this amazing work and your book and everything else? Uh, yeah, well, they can go, first of all, Michael, they can go to my website, which is standupanddeliver.co.uk. And I work with organizations all over the world, particularly since COVID. Uh, you know, I just have to walk into my office and I can be working with you. Uh, or they can uh, go to my online my online site, which is you can find via the website, which is an online program that people can pick up. Or they can pick up the book, which is available currently on Amazon, and you can get it uh, stateside and in Europe. Uh, so this, it's printed over in America, and it's also printed in UK and in Europe. So you can just order it direct from there. That's awesome. I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Jack, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you. And congratulations again on this amazing work you're doing. You're really helping out a lot of people, which has a ripple effect all across society. So thank you again. Oh, well, thank you, Michael. Loved it. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.